All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Matt Gallo, and today I'm joined with my friend, Dr. Ray Gorman. Ray has been a mentor of mine uh, for a number of years, even before he knew he was a mentor of mine. Uh, he's, a, he's a person who I admired um, in the work that he was doing and creating uh, from afar, from social media, of all things. And we did get to meet um, multiple times and, and do some work together. And I've learned from him. I've learned so much from him in, when it comes to coaching practices, um, understanding the human body, how it works, how the, how, um, how the mind works even. And specifically, what he does really well is get people out of pain. Um, he's got a lot to offer as, a, as an entrepreneur as well in his new pursuits, his new business. And you're going to really enjoy this episode. Make sure you stick around for the whole thing. I've got a special message at the end for you guys. And without further ado, let's get right to the show. All right, Ray Gorman, welcome. Welcome back. Um, I'm interviewing you again. Uh, I interviewed you when we had uh, Mind, Heart, Muscle. It was me and Ron. That was about a, a year ago now, or almost a year ago. Welcome back, man. Almost. <laughs> A lot has changed. Good to have you back. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. Um, yeah, lots a lot's changed, and a lot has a lot changed the last time we spoke too, which uh, which is really cool because you and I were um, sort of in a parallel uh, with what we were doing, the transitions we were about to make or making, and uh, that was like our October, November of last year when we were talking. And uh, I'd love to just get right into it and start on this question. Uh, you know, a year ago, you left, uh, you left a position, you were working for another company, and, and instead of going to uh, get a job, you decided to, to build something on your own. And, uh, and now yeah. you've been growing it, you've, you're evolving your own brand, and uh, you're, you're clearly super passionate about what you do, and I imagine you're happier than ever, man. And... Uh, I'm curious, like what, what gave you the confidence to do that? Um, I think it's, it's an accumulation of the lessons I learned along the way. So, you know, my, my journey has always kind of pulled me towards the, the being your own boss route. Um, and I always knew I wanted to be in a leadership position of, of some sort but it took me a while to figure out what that really meant for me. And I think that the, the final lesson that I kind of learned was like, no matter how much perceived freedom and autonomy that I had partnering or working with somebody else where, where they still had, you know, final say, um, that was always the piece that was missing. So this kind of, new revival of like stepping into this process of like nobody causes problems for me within my business besides me uh, has been very energizing, has been cool to kind of evolve a little bit more of, you know, what do I want my team to look like? Do I want to build a team? Do I want to stay solo? Um, and it's it's been fun kind of navigating that water now. Yeah, when you I I imagine when you um 
have the experience of, you know, building something alongside a partner, it sometimes can be hard <laughs> to just let them make the yeah. decisions, especially when you have a lot invested on the time and energy side, the creativity side. You what you like, I mean, personally, I like to have ownership over the things I create, you know, and, and, sure. and a say in how it, you know, how it's going to be used, purposed, managed, and maybe that's just me. Um, what would, would you learn in, through all that um, about yourself? Um, I learned a lot of lessons along the way. Uh, I think I learned that I was more capable than um, what I originally thought. So that was kind of mm -hmm. cool. Um, I kind of felt like some of the things that I took and developed and ran with, like really became way bigger than I ever thought that they would. Uh, and so it was kind of like this, this mindset of like, if I can do that with and for somebody else, like the only thing holding me back from doing that for me is me. And I think that's probably something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, and so it was, it was hard for me to even like being a physical therapist where it's like, look, if I'm going to go out and build your physical therapy business, meaning go make relationships with people, go market myself as the go-to person in this realm, like what's the trade-off of risk reward for just implementing that own process for myself? where we always think that the floor is zero and it's, it's really not right. Like yeah. I think the floor is probably like half of what you're making. Um, but we, everybody thinks that the floor is zero. And so then when I kind of went into the digital realm, it was like the same thing. It was like when, when we decided to go separate ways, it's, well, do I go and kind of contract with somebody else again and, potentially like not learn the lesson, repeat the trend, or do I have the opportunity to break the pattern of safety mm. and actually finally explore the realm of like what I think every entrepreneur wants, right? And that's some sort of freedom. Yeah, freedom, autonomy, and uh, flexibility. Um, I, I like how you yeah. brought, like how you ended on that, um, how you had the opportunity to break the pattern of uh, safety. And that is something yeah. that I notice working now working with so many um, people like me, really entrepreneurs and people who are somewhere on that journey. I realize there's, uh, they're going in one of two directions, they're either going toward um, abundance or they're going away from safety and security and you know both of them are going to lead you in, in a similar place it's just a matter of speed and uh, efficiency of getting there i find uh, for a long time i was hiding and running away from safety and security because i thought it was uh you know i didn't want to be uh told how to do things or i wanted the final say uh, and mm. it was, it was a, a, an eye opening thing for me. And I realized that's where a lot of people get kind of stuck, right? They're in the middle of that, you know, 
what they're what they're actually working toward, right? They're not sure what they're working toward until they uh, start to you know go toward the abundant side. And you work with a lot of business owners. Are you finding the same thing occurring? Like there's some resistance uh, to going toward something that's possible or exploring that like new realm and that opportunity. I mean, there's, there's always fear of the unknown, Mm -hmm. right? And there's, there's fear of risk. Um, And one of the things that I always try to do with my clients is I I just try to get them to understand what they're really afraid of and what are really the things that are holding you back. Hmm. So I think that, you know, there's, there's time and place to safety seek, right? And that's just kind of generally what our nervous system does. It's like we go into this this theoretical panic mode, this fight or flight um, perception of threat. Doesn't matter if it's a, a wild animal or, you know, a, a triggering text message. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those things kind of do something to us on a nervous system level. And that's the same thing in business. And so when you start to understand that, you can at least zoom out and say, is this concept based in truth? Or is it just a story that I'm telling myself? Mm -hmm. So when people are presented with this, this fork in the road of like, I just got kicked off the horse. Do I get back up and try again? Or do I potentially go take a job where, you know, I'm always on a trail. I know where that trail is going. I know when there's going to be a water stop, but you don't know what the journey is getting, like you can't paint the journey for yourself, mm-hmm. right? So then there's always this other side where it's, well, what if I would have tried it on my own? So how do you, how do you eliminate that outcome? Like you have to just do it. Yeah. The, can you expand a little bit on uh, finding that, on what you mean by just doing it? Yeah. When you say, uh, yeah, without, I, so without like, um, yeah, expand on that a little bit. Yes. Everybody <laughs> is trying to launch with what their version 10 would be. Mm, gotcha. And what that's stopping you from doing is figuring out what version one is, <laughs> right? So it, it's literally this choice between starting and continuous preparation. But the problem becomes people just continuously choose to continuously prepare. It's like Mm. at some point you have to trust that you've done enough preparation to get this phase of your project started. So I'm always talking to my clients about like, this is V1, right? Version two is the thing that you're talking about right now. So I just, I had a a call um, about an hour ago and, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of ended this call with like, I feel like you're the kind of person who goes into this paralysis by overanalysis. And the guy was like, yes, that (laughs) is exactly me. And so I said, my challenge to you is you have enough information to make this decision. 
of whether or not we work together. Like, what would happen if you just made it? And my promise to you is I will help you continue to evolve it. So when you can get people to see that there is a distinct Mm -hmm. behavior choice between action and inaction, well, now you have nothing to hide from. Right? You're, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm either starting or I'm delaying. That's a really valuable um, moment for people when they realize which behaviors are preventing them from going to the next step taking, or taking the next step and getting to the next level. And, um, yeah, we talk about, we talk about behavior all the time on this show and, uh, and how many are intrusive on our lives, even though we're, we're totally unaware. And, um, I like to encourage people to zoom out and be able to look at themselves objectively and become more of aware of those decisions that they are making. So some, like something I like to, to ask uh, clients to do is like, um, you know, recount your day and list all of the decisions you made on purpose mm-hmm. and they'll yeah. start making shit up sometimes because they'll they'll a lot of them they'll realize oh wait i i didn't actually decide this right because they got to the dunkin donuts by accident because it's just what they always do and then they ordered the donuts that was the choice yeah. right they chose the boston cream instead of the jelly donut but getting there was by accident when they could have just not like they could have chosen to not drive through. Right. Um, and I like how you, I I think that that is, (laughs) yeah, go ahead. That's, that's a good, a good tie in to understanding outliers versus trends. Yeah. Right. And too often people are hitting a speed bump in the road Hmm. and then they're like, Holy crap, I got to change my course. Well, you don't need to change your course if that was just a blip on the radar, mm. right? Like, like let's continue executing the plan and let's make sure that we identify like, is this consistent or is this like a one-time thing? Did this just like randomly happen mm-hmm. or is something going on in your process that is causing this thing to happen that we actually do need to go back and, and fix it. We do need to go back and adapt it. We do need to go back and make a, a correction to it. But too often we're like, we're, we're feeling this f- first sense of like, oh, people said no to my offer. So it's gotta be the price. Mm. Is, it the, is it the price or is it how you positioned it? Do you think supply and demand works the same way when we're talking about value versus, you know, a pure supply of something like the concept makes sense, but the practice of it, not really. So if you can get people to kind of zoom out on that again and say like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. Like I don't have a problem yet but my nervous system told me I did. It's, it's now back to understanding how you react and how you behave. Mm. I find it's the difference between, uh, and this is something I see and I experienced, you may have as well at some point 
the difference between uh, something being difficult and uncomfortable and just hard, where you have to keep repeating and trying new ways or, you know, iterations or like you said, versions, the difference between that and then just being totally out of alignment, like uh, this is not the right thing. And oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll get to that, you know, point where we, and I definitely have gotten to this, where I, I, I get to the point where I think I have to make a decision and it's either this or that instead of trying it again with a different uh, thinking, process of thinking, right? With a different method or um, or zooming out again, right? And now um, what, I, what I aim to do, and, and I love that we're talking about this because it's really top of mind for me, is it, everything is an iteration and, and a rep, mm-hmm. right? Imagine you're at the gym and it takes reps and reps and reps and reps yeah to achieve the results you want. And, and that's the, the long-term results of like, you know, getting the body or the uh, strength that you desire or the results of just getting more efficient or effective at a technique, right? It just takes repetition and doing something a little bit different each time until it's smooth or, uh, you know, the shortest path, right? That's how I, I imagine energy wants to travel the the shortest path or the shortest distance. It's one of the reasons why I love working in the fitness and like performance rehab space Mm -hmm. is because the parallels are literally the same, right? If we're going to periodize somebody's training, we're going to look at the macro. We're going to look at what's the macro goal. We're going to break that goal up into phases We're going to break that phase up into weeks. We're going to break that week up into sessions. And that's like literally what I teach the people I work with to do with their schedule. It's like, you have to know the intent of each day. You have to know what days are scheduled for thinking, what days are scheduled for servicing, what days are, what days or time are scheduled for, for selling, for marketing. Cause a lot of people get stuck in doing too much service. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what a lot of people have to do to get started, right? Because they need a process to give them a financial runway, right? They need a they need a cash flow opportunity. But you can't then take all of your business building time and replace it with servicing just so that you make more revenue. Like that's a short-sighted opportunity. Yeah. And you're going to hit a so ceiling too. For me, for sure, you're, you're going to hit capacity and you're going to burn out. Mm-hmm. So like for me, like Mondays and Fridays are, are pretty sacred as far as like, there's not much like client servicing. There's none on Mondays mm-hmm. and there's two hours in the mornings every other Fridays for me. And everything else is about building my business because I understand the task pacing opportunity that needs to happen in those timeframes if I want to progress things. Yeah. And to grow, if, if the goal is to scale and have a growth system, it would be impossible to do that if most of your time is taken up by fulfillment and service. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've had this discussion for before, you know, clinicians and um, healthcare providers and, and coaches are not taught that end of, of the, you know, the work, 
not in school growing up and definitely not in their professional schooling. It's uh, it's something that you have to, you you learn and you realize, well, mostly you realize because you get into it and you're like, okay, well, I've, I've made this much money, but I don't have any more time. And other people are beating me. I, other, uh, you know, offices or uh, businesses or gyms are winning even though they're not as good as I am, right? They're not the best. And it's a matter of, well, you set your value. Yeah. Hopefully you know what you're worth. Um, And then also you realize that the marketing, the outreach, the nurturing, the administrative stuff also has, has value and has a return. If you can monetize it, you know, some people are doing those things yeah. because they are chores, not monetized, um, you know, systems and processes in their business. Well, and, and, you know, it's the old saying comparison is the thief of joy, mm. right? Like we, we are often so busy viewing other people's success that we're then burning ourselves out trying to run a race that the, the field isn't comparable right? Like if I'm a solopreneur and I'm comparing myself to somebody who has a team of 20, like that, that just contextually doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So how do I respect where I'm at? Right. And there's, um, there's this, this guy that I follow on Twitter and he talks about all these golf statistics. Uh, his name is Lou Stagner, I believe is his handle. And his big thing is like, manage your expectations. And managing your expectations doesn't mean lowering your standards. Mm -hmm. So he puts this content out that's like basically talking about how, you know, amateurs, amateur golfers think they should hit the green from 100 yards out every single time. And it's like, pros only do that, you know, 30% of the time. Like what makes you think you, the amateur who's spending one hour a week on the range is going to be able to do that. That doesn't mean you'll never do it. It just means the range of outcomes that you're going to get is probably greater than you anticipate. So how do you embrace that? Hmm. Right? How do you say like, look, I am consistently moving the needle towards my goals And that's my process of exceeding my expectations, not in the moment, but over time. So we, we classically overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year, Mm. but we only care about the day, (laughs) right? So it's like, we're we're so short term conditioned. Yeah. That it's like too many people are just beating themselves up for not being productive enough. Well, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Like what, what would your definition of being productive enough mean? People can't answer it. No, they can't. And it's, and it's fun to go through an exercise to get them to like actually measure productivity, success and, and their own, like their own value. Right. And uh, yeah. And, and I find when, when people can realize that productivity is uh, measurable um, and attainable, right? It's something that they can, they can track on their own and they can do and, and make 
you know, progress on Six, you know, success comes along with that financial success, because like you're starting to, um, see where you're spending time that is either worth it for you, like actually worth your yeah. time or not. And, and, and I see a lot of people, um, putting time and energy into things that they think are giving them a big return mm -hmm. and they think are productive and a, an effective use of their time, but there it's actually just an efficient use. It's not actually do, giving them much. It's getting through something and doing it yeah. well, but it's not effective in, in their long-term goal. And, and it does help to know, Hey, what's the long-term goal? Like, you know, can you actually see the trajectory by doing these things each day or each week, each month, for the next five years and see that you'll get to that level of success that you think you can get to today, you know? I, I have that conversation with a lot of people when it comes to revenue as a success metric, mm -hmm. right? Which I think a lot of people look at it like that. Um, and like revenue can kind of be the scoreboard for operations capacity, but it can also lie, mm -hmm. right? Like if, yeah. if you're selling a bunch of, package revenue like non-service revenue like if you have to service that right so it's great if you have a 20k month but then if you followed it up with a 4k month mm -hmm. because you know you had to service the 20k like well okay then you can't panic right because that's the makeup of your operating model mm -hmm. that's the makeup of your business model um but when people start to say, well, like I'm not generating enough revenue. The first thing that we come back to is like, well, what are you doing to generate opportunities? Mm. Like what season of life are you in that is potentially blocking your opportunity to generate revenue? Did you plan for this season to be non-revenue generating? Like, I think that's something that, you know, especially people who are one man show or small teams, like they don't think about, right? They think that revenue is just going to consistently generate. Right. And like for a lot of people, you are the sales system. Like systems are simply things that you create to make, to make a process work. That doesn't mean that they just magically happen. <laughs> There's still manual steps that happen in systems and processes. Yeah. And, and be so able to run those. build these things and, and step back. Right. Right. You, you have to build them and then, and then, you know, either you can automate them or you can delegate them. And in the beginning, sure. that might not be very clear to you of how that's possible because you think yeah. it costs money. Um, and, and so, okay. I like how you, I use the same term seasons, what season of your life are you in or, um, what season of your business are you in? And uh, I personally subscribe to running my business in seasons where there's times where I'm simply not selling anything. It's just creativity, fulfillment of, you know, for clients or, yeah. or uh, building relationships. And these are valuable, right? These are the times where I really get to create a product and, um, and an image, a reputation. Whereas if I'm always just selling, 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 I'll never actually get to develop that, um, the value of that product. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I'll be so focused on gaining new people, the, the um, effectiveness of the product will actually decline. And that's what, that's what I imagine happens. You, you know, we take the number like, uh, let's, let's say $10,000 a month is a cool, is a good number to use. Well, that, that could be an average where most of your sales are done three times out of the year, you know, or you're, you're, sure, sure. you're getting these huge bumps that then equate to rough, you know, that average. Uh, that take, it takes time, man. It takes time for people to get to that point too. Right in the beginning, you know, hustle is, is I don't want to say required, it's useful. And it's, uh, it's part of the process, part of the growth process. Well, that's, that's the beauty of these, these iterations, right? Is you get to plan your process for V2, V3, V4, V5. Um, when, you know, when I started my business and like looked at what the journey was going to be for my clients, um, the estimation of how it was going to flow and the actual of how it was going to flow was drastically different. And so I could either say like, oh, well, this, this isn't the way that you enter the pipeline, or I could reconfigure the pipeline to make that process make sense. Mm -hmm. Both of those are business decisions with different implications. Neither of them would have been wrong, right? That's the other thing. I think people are so concerned with making the right or wrong decision instead of just stepping into the authority of like either decision I make comes with both positive and negative consequences. Hmm. But you can't get stuck not making one. So once you start to figure that out and, and then you can zoom out again and say like, look, the reason my company isn't generating revenue in this period of time is because it is constructed that way. Mm -hmm. It is intentional. Well, now you're like, oh, okay, then I'm not worried about money. But you have to be able to, to go back to that why. You have to be able to go back to that intent. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned that a little bit, but like everything that I build and do in my business is like, here's the plan for this product. Here's the plan for this offer. Here's how it complements the next thing. Here's the problem it solves for both my consumer and me. Like then there's, there's, you know, you can't tell me I'm wrong. Cause it's like, there's, there's just different ways to do it. Not right or wrong. Yeah. And everything has a purpose. Imagine. For sure. I'm, I want to pivot sure. here. I want to pivot a little bit. Um, you've been operating, uh, your new business for a few months now. You've brought on a, you know, a number of clients. You've run people through your groups, the retained group and, um, You've had some success. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, I've got a couple of questions on this, but I'm curious what um, what was a was there a defining moment for you where you realized, oh, this is working, or oh, this is it. Um, I think it's. I think the defining moment for me was like looking back on my life and my journey as a professional and thinking about how implementing what retain teaches solved a massive problem for me at that time. Hmm. Right? Like I 
primarily work with people who are in a one-to-one service-based industry. And that was my journey of like being an outpatient physical therapist and seeing, you know, anywhere from 14 to 27 clients per day to then going into the cash pay realm and being like, okay, well now I can only see, you know, six clients per day, but I'm seeing them for longer. Like the burnout was kind of the same. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of stemmed from me being like, how can I reimagine this process to both get my time back, get my clients time back and make everybody's situation just generally better. And so in the company that I was working for, you know, I was doing everything in person and the company I was working for prior kind of opened my eyes into a lot of the digital world. Um, but combining those things in, in my process was like, this is it. Like, this is a model I can now, I can now teach. And this is, these are the problems that people are having. And as I have more conversations with people, it's like, my product isn't the end all be all because there's so much context of everybody's operating model that now I'm having to think, Mm. how do I provide the same solution without the level of specificity that I teach in my course? Like it's great for a very specific person, Mm. but I can now take the framework and expand it out. Like that's always how my brain is, is Mm. thinking is like, how can I make this apply to different niches where all of the problems are the same. I like the way you think with that. Uh, I, I found a lot of the systems that I've developed and skills that I've acquired over the years running CrossFit gyms and getting into personal training and uh, the online space um, gave me a lot of insight to how different industries can run. And it just, from, from just observing different business models, right? You can start recognizing parallels. And so I'm working mm-hmm. with a client who's a, who's a photographer and uh, there's so many parallels from being a photographer to, uh, you know, working with someone in the gym one-on-one if they have a goal. And it's surprising uh, how similar they are. And, you know, one of the things that I remember uh, that came to mind and we talked through this and it was, um, you know, what, it, why do people, uh, why do people pay a photographer so much money on their wedding day? And it's for the way that they mm-hmm. feel. It's for the way, that, the way that it makes them feel. And so that's what you're selling. And if you can sell that, well, you sell the feeling or you sell the, uh, you know, the experience you get to create. It's magical. And I never worked as a photographer just had the, the idea, right? Hey, when I was hot, when I was selling uh, personal training, it was more so, you know, it's personal training or group classes. It was more so about how people feel when they come in, had not, very little to do with the workouts, <laughs> very little, um, very little to do with even the, yeah. the work. And, and most of the time, even people in pain would get results and get out of pain just from showing up and getting a one-on-one conversation and hearing from someone who gives a shit. So there's so many parallels and I imagine uh, you can draw so many more with your experience. What have, what have you, have you uh, experimented with that at all with working with other industries? 
Uh, actually, yeah. So I have a client who is a um, a mental health therapist. Oh, cool. Um, and it's been really cool, like taking again, taking some of the things in in my niche as working in kind of the fitness and performance rehab space, and saying like, why can't you do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Right, like because the co- the commonality there is she's a one-to-one service provider. Mm-hmm. So inherently there is there is a ceiling and there are only certain scale mechanisms that traditionally she can implement to grow. Well, it's like, okay, well let's look at let's compare this to the gym model, right? Gym businesses build their floor around recurring revenue and in a lot of cases upsell based on personal training revenue. Mm-hmm. Coaches build their floor around personal training revenue, but mm-hmm. then have no mechanism to kind of capture it on the backside right. because the gym has like monopolized that space. So how do we then get coaches to, to do something like that where it's like, you know, one of the things I'm toying around with is how do you get all of your remote clients bought into a community feature, mm. right? So like my, my business has a community built on circle. So one of the things that I'm starting to test is how is this working for me? How can I implement it in a one to many approach to my clients? Well, with the client that I'm working with, who's a therapist, it's like, how do we take your free followers who know, like, and trust you and change their experience to a higher level of value by purchasing access to your community. Mm. Like that's, that is a model constructed, you know, in my opinion that I learned from the gym realm, right? It's, it's personalization at, at scale. So it's, it's the, the magic there is like, what's the common ground mm-hmm. one-to-one is the limitation the solution is the same the context is just slightly different it's great when business owners can begin to think shift their thinking this way and it takes creativity um which just takes reps yeah um and some validation and uh i i, I do like the, the the shift in thinking because you can be in in any business um any in any market and be successful with an understanding of, well, what do I have to offer and how can I package this in a, in a way that's valuable for people? And it's, I just remember, um, you know, when, when, when COVID started and gyms had to shut down and, you know, we, we pivoted really fast, mm-hmm. like our gym pivoted uh, early and went online and had a product, like not just a, you know, a, oh, we threw this together and we hope people pay. We had a product to sell. And, and, ex- and we're able to expand yeah. on that because I, well, you notice trends and also like, like you said earlier, like you gotta be willing to just make a decision right or wrong. Like no one's, no one told me whether this was going to work this, you know, online uh, TV show that I basically put on, like produced <laughs> and uh, right we just did it. We had literally nothing else to do. We had some, you know. <laughs> We wanted to keep people seeing results. And I, I remember thinking this way specifically, like, okay, what is the, 
why are people paying us? And it's not to come to the gym. That's part of it. It's to, but it's to really to get results. They like the community. They love the people. They want new routine, things like that. Okay, how can I build something that provides that, even though they can't show up? Yes. And that's that. That's a way of thinking. And um, it takes, you know, confidence in yourself in a lot of different ways and the, you know, willingness to take risks, uh, which is difficult. What, what roadblocks do you see, um, especially with the in mental health space? Um, in that, in that, with that, definitely, yeah, definitely. Like, there's no sales training going on in that space, right? Like, I mean, it, it's very similar to kind of what you're seeing in the in this new wave of fitness and rehab, where it's like, look, we we got to figure out how we sell stuff, right? Because that's that's going to be the lifeblood of your business. So we worked a lot around you know, some problems that she was having in the sales journey with her clients, right? And it's like, we were originally, uh, this is something that isn't uncommon in the therapy space is like, they'll operate on a, a sliding scale payment, right? So it'll be like, okay, well, you can pay me a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, whatever you can afford, right? And so part of the starting point was like, well, why aren't people paying me $200? It's like, well, you're giving them the option to pay you half. Mm -hmm. So what do you want them to pay you? If you want to be able to see people who can't afford your services for $200, you need to build a bank of $200 clients to then offset when you say like, look, Matt, like I, I genuinely believe that you can't afford this. I'd love to take you on for $100. That's a whole different process, mm -hmm. right? We've, we've talked about some of the, um, like the, the raising your prices process, something that we just, I just had this conversation with her yesterday. She had old clients at an old rate who then she said, this is my new rate. And they opted not to work with her. And, and in her mind, it's like, they're not seeing the value. Hmm. And in my brain, it's like, you didn't position the offer in a way that they would see it, right? So instead of saying, look, you were previously with me for 80 bucks. My new rate's 120. Would you like to come back? Mm -hmm. It's start the process over again. Matt, so glad you reached back out. Like, tell me what's going on this time. Yeah. Make sure we are still a good fit. Mm -hmm. And then it's just so you know, my new rates are $200 an hour. But since you were an, an existing client at 80 bucks for you, I can bring you to 120. Mm -hmm. So now I've literally positioned the offer to instead of being $40 more, it's $80 less. Like it's, it's things like it's small things like that, where it's like, you just have to tweak the order of operations mm -hmm. and we've created this, this now window of opportunity to reconnect instead of just assuming that they grasp the value of paying more. I like the way you said that too. Um, instead of, uh, yeah, well, when you, it, it, you positioned it as reconnecting with somebody and I think yeah, of it yeah. as, you know, 
once you once you grab someone's attention, you sell them something, they can be a client of yours, a supporter of yours for, for a long time. And that doesn't mean they have to pay the same price every time. Um, so yeah, you, you right. can you can oh you can have new offers because things have different value because their problems are you know starting to uh, change and and also are the solutions that you provide and that's where I, I imagine the disconnection is in a lot of uh, healthcare workers um, who see their value as this one thing it's like dollars per hour like their their hourly rate mm-hmm. that what they bill by or um, something like that. There's sessions I, in therapy. It's, uh, you know, what a session costs and they charge per right, session. Right. Um, whereas, well, what if, what if, how many sessions does it take to see a result, right? If it takes, you know, 30, then sell them 30 sessions or you know, give that. that expectation. But, but Hey, like if you worked with them for a year and, and then three years down the line, they come back, they might have a completely different thing that might take a, different amount of time or more resources or hey you got education in that time like use it well and here's part of the other thing too is like you know whether you want to believe it or not you and i have become conditioned Hmm. to buying based on value true so for us like price is kind of like okay like I don't, I'm not thinking of price as much as I used to. I'm thinking about the value that it provides. Right. For the general consumer, they're not thinking that way. So like we can talk about value propositioning all you want, mm-hmm. but like you have to make sure that your offer is valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Like your offer, ha- you have to be speaking their language. Right. Right. And so that's why like a lot of times I think people are trying to they're especially in like uncertain situations like resolving pain or resolving, you know, in, in the therapy case, um, mental health things, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Mm -hmm. So can I say with full confidence, it's going to take me this period of time? Like what happens if something happens and it doesn't, Mm. you know? And so we, we get in this concept of like, talking in utopian scenarios of right. sell outcomes, not time. Well, but then it always comes down to a time conversion to get the outcome. True. Right. Yeah. So if, if you're going to sell an outcome and you truly believe that you can't say, well, look, if I get you better in five visits, <laughs> but I sold you 10, you're still paying me for the 10 without taking your medicine on the other side of the coin and saying, if this takes me 20, mm-hmm. then I'm going to eat this. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, but you know, every, almost every like realm, whether it's PT therapy, uh, you know, kind of more of this mental health aspect, we're all dealing with the same problems in, in business and that's sales, our view and belief on sales, marketing, acquisition, and retention. Mm-hmm. And usually really good at one of those things and missing some skills on the other three, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's a, that's a, an important level of self-awareness to be like, okay, which of these do I legit want to get off of my plate first? <laughs> and, and making that an okay thing. Like, like it's okay for me to like oh, yeah. start 
seeking uh, salespeople or a marketing team or something like that. So, you, I mean, you got into physical therapy, I imagine, because you wanted to help people treat people, right? Help, uh, yeah. help people see a better side of life than they were, right? Get out of that pain they were experiencing into this, like, you know, new experience. And, you know, along the way, you had s- support and growth and you learned a bunch of different things. Um and I'm, you know, you could answer this actually. This is a good question. What, what did, what did you find you were lacking in the most that, when you learned it, was the like the biggest click for you? Either um, sales or or um, in marketing or something along those lines, business systems. Well, yeah, I I think it was mostly like my view of sales, right? Like once my view of sales changed, it was, it was a big breakthrough for me. Right. And like, I had been told in the past, like I wasn't a good salesperson. And when I zoomed out on that, I realized like, no, I just wasn't ever going to want to sell the way that that person wanted me to sell. Mm. I'm not going to sell based on fear. I'm not going to sell based on, you know, all of these like potential problems that clients can have. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play on that. I want to sell out of a place of empowerment. I want to sell out of a place of consultation. I want to work with clients who want to work with me. That was the biggest lesson. I want to work with clients who want to work with me. Because I was selling plans of care even when there wasn't money involved. Convincing somebody to come to therapy two, three times a week, do their exercises when they've never done exercises in their life, that's sales, mm-hmm. right? When, when I shifted into the performance realm, the performance rehab realm, I was like, I'm not having to sell these people. Like they're already buying because – they see the value on the other side. So working with healthy, active populations who have already made the decision to remain healthy and active, like just made the mental load of my job way cooler, like way more sustainable. Mm -hmm. I'll admit it is very gratifying to take somebody who, you know, did not have that skill set or have that desire and convert them into, you know, a a health or fitness junkie, but that's more of a rare occasion, you know, like that's like, just because there is a market of people out there doesn't necessarily mean they are in the buying mindset for the problem that we're solving. So that was a big lesson for me in converting over to the clientele that I wanted to work with. I imagine that helped you also to find more people that wanted to work with you because you were able to identify it. Yes. Right. And, and yeah. this, oh man, it's a scary yes. thing to niche down or decide on a, a specific person. But when you do, they flock because it's, it, it becomes obvious, yep. like who they are, what their traits are, things like that. Because you understand it. Mm-hmm right? Like you understand it. So what, what niching down at the time that I was practicing clinically into more CrossFit, 
um, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, was that it allowed me to create a system of client management that was then expandable outside of my niche. Mm -hmm. Right? So like I use something called the client attribute profile, which essentially takes strength, range of motion, endurance, mindset, lifestyle, and technique and creates this attribute of the person in front of me. Like what things are relatively low that need to be boosted relatively high. Mm -hmm. That's the plan of attack. Well, then the beauty becomes how can I how can I take my system and apply it to different niches? So you do jujitsu, mm-hmm. right? I've got two clients that I mentor that go to jujitsu. Like we're talking about positioning their message into jujitsu. And it's like, look, for your clot for my client, ankle dorsiflexion is important for the squat. For uh, standing lumbopelvic flexion is important for achieving a hinge. Mm -hmm. What are those things important for, for clients within the jujitsu realm, Mm -hmm. right? Or ankle plantar flexion. So Mm -hmm. if you had more range of motion, you and combine that with strength, you would be less susceptible to getting ankle locked. Okay. Isn't that a great message to your clients who want to improve their performance in jujitsu? Like do this to avoid getting ankle locked, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like you can now create messaging specific like that using the same exact system that I use. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's really cool. So you've taken, um, you know, you've taken all of your uh, skills and systems that you've put together and, thought of and worked on over the years and, and created your own, you know, intellectual property, essentially, and more so a repeatable, scalable system that can be applied over, you know, anything really, uh, that, that pertains to, um, the industry or the the service of helping people do something right with their, you know, physically or emotionally, something internally, like something that takes work, right? Um, and put a and put a measurement to it. I love that. Could you repeat those again for us, if that if you don't mind sharing? What are those? Uh, si- I think there were six of them. Yeah. So the but, the yeah. client attribute profile is um, like a system of explaining how how somebody is built, right? Gotcha. So like the way that I explain it is like pretty much everybody understands American football, right? Mm-hmm. You don't put a lineman in the wide receiver position if they're going to sprint down the field, there's a mismatch there. Yep. You also don't put a wide receiver on the line if you're going max protection, right? Like they're gonna get ran over, they're gonna get bulldozed. So it's kind of like building your own uh, character in a video game Mm -hmm. is another way to put it. So the seven attributes that I look at are range of motion, right? Like do you have prerequisite range to get into position? Mm -hmm. Your strength, is there opportunity to develop unilaterally, bilaterally? Are there are there certain lifts that need higher priority? Um, endurance, whether that's barbell endurance, cardiovascular endurance, metabolic endurance, um, lifestyle. What that's sleep, diet, stress. Mm-hmm. How much are you eating? What are your training beliefs? Mindset. Is your view on this process positive or negative? Like that has a massive indication of 
outcomes. Mm -hmm. And then technique, you know, so somebody who's very technical, let's say in the jujitsu realm, may crush somebody who's got great strength. Mm -hmm. But you average those things out. And so it's like, well, what if we got the technical person strong? Mm. What if we got the strong person technical? Like it's, it just, it makes sense when you start to view it that way. Yeah. I really like that. I like the way you, uh, uh, you frame each one of those two and make it relatable. Um, I imagine that on a, a sliding scale at where most people are leaning one direction or another. Um, and I don't know if this is how you measure it. Uh, but what I, what I imagine is people will have more or less of something naturally. And then there's like an opposite, like a polar opposite. Um, totally, totally. Where, you know, in well, order we, to we gravitate, we gravitate towards what we're good at. Yeah. Right. We gravitate yeah. towards what we're good at. And sometimes, um, and, and this is something I've noticed in my, in the coaching that I've been doing, cause I, I run, uh, what I call a leadership assessment, an impact assessment, and we measure 10 different uh, leadership skills. Um, and the, you know, you can max, you can have, uh, you know, a zero or a 20 in this, in this sliding scale. And if, yeah. uh, you know, 10 would be like dead center, right in the middle, you're not leaning left to right. Um, but you, you're somewhere on this scale and most people, um, have strengths and most people have weaknesses. So what we'll see is like a lot of things leaning to one side. Um, and that creates what I consider like archetypes. I liked how you said video game characters. That's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. if you want to imagine it that way, but I, I can, I think of it like, a like, this is like, a you know, like a movie character, right? Someone you could imagine and you can just guess, right? How things are going to play out in certain situations. You put them in a certain environment they're going to act a certain way. And that is their leadership style in my, in what I've uh, determined. And oftentimes a lot of people um, are unsure of what their strengths are, the things that are actually good that they're really good at when it comes to leading. Um, and they're very aware of their weaknesses. And what I encourage yeah. people to do is find ways to lean in to the strengths and leverage them. Right. Turn that into your thing. Yeah. Right. If someone is a super technical weightlifter, oh man, they, they can, they can really lean into that. Yes. They need to get stronger if they want to like get better in the sport and advance and they can, they can leverage their, their technical abilities a lot. Uh, same thing goes for super flexible people or strong people. Right. Uh, and, and all, but oftentimes like there's a, a, so for some reason, I don't really feel confident in this thing I'm so strong with, right? Why do people get so technical oh, in the first sure. place? I, I developed great weightlifting technique because I wasn't the strongest guy in the room, but I had the best technique, you know, mm -hmm. it was a compensation almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to uh, ask, uh, you oh, go ahead. And then I want to ask one more question. I, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, you said something there that um, just kind of jogged this, this leadership story to yeah. my head of like leveraging who you are, mm. right? Like leveraging who you are uniquely in your business and your leadership style um, in your athleticism. Um, and I remember this one instance where like, I'm a, I'm a 
empathetic leader, right? Like I am very much like, Mm. I think that if you're on my team, you're here for a reason. I saw something good, good qualities in you as a person. Mm -hmm. I think you can do your job. If you're not doing your job, something else is going on, right? Like that is generally how I think. Um, And I remember this situation where like I was going to my mentor at the time and he was like, you have to do this. And it made me really uncomfortable because it was something that was not my style of leadership. And I did it. And it actually fractured the relationship with the person that I did it to. Mm. Because it was so out of the blue, uncharacteristic of who I was as a person. And it felt like shit for me, felt like shit for that person. And it took a long time to repair that relationship. So, you know, you had, you had said something about like leaning into your strengths Mm -hmm. and like, sometimes you got to let the lesson be learned Mm. and go back instead of force feed the lesson. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a moment of uh, clarity for you. Like yeah. it was a moment of clarity yeah. for you. So, and unfortunately, that's I think more, that's very common. That's very common to be. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Poor management, yeah. in my opinion, uh, and a, a lack of like knowing how to how to manage people. Yeah, that's that's all. That's what it really is. It, it was doing things for the wrong, it was doing something for the wrong belief reason, hmm. right? It was, it was not my way of getting the point and lesson across and it, it didn't land for either party. Yeah. When, when you get to lean into your strengths too, and when someone who's managing that, right knows how to properly apply your strengths and utilize and utilize them, it can be really yeah. powerful. And, and oftentimes a lot of people get into your situation where they, they're not properly managed, right? They have certain capabilities that are strong and effective and yet not encouraged to use them. Uh, and so, and this, yes. this will happen over time. And so you start to believe that that's not useful. Um, and that you're doing things wrong or you're the way that you gravitate, the, the way you gravitate toward leadership or delegation or, um, it's inspiration, uh, ends up becoming out of alignment. And so you start to feel dissonance, cognitive dissonance and, and other people can feel it. Like you described, like it created some yeah. like separation. It, it's, it's tough. And that's, that's what I like to unlock is, well, let's go back. Let's find that thing that you are good at. And I think too, you know, the clients that I work with now, it's like, I'm never going to make a decision for you because mm-hmm. my, my nightmare as your coach or mentor is making you do things the way that I've done them. You get into the final project and then being like, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I hate it. So let's empower you to make the decisions that you think are best. And I'm going to provide you with my honest feedback, mm-hmm. but if you're going to make a decision, like you're eventually going to make it with or without me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've got to empower you to trust that this is the decision that you should make 
It is not right or wrong, right? We're not talking about you going and robbing a bank here. We're talking about you making a, a business decision that is a blip in time mm-hmm. and that will ultimately propel you into a series of other decisions one way or the other. That is it. Yeah, I like to think we're in a perpetual state of decision making and 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 course correction, right? Uh, yeah, I'm. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a few more questions to wrap this up, and we could keep them brief. We could keep them these to be like rapid fire questions. Go for it. Um, because it's rapid fun. Yeah. It's fun. What's something that surprised you the most in the last year? Um, I think the support of the people around me, like it's kind of one of those things where like, you don't know it's there until you need to know it's there. Um, my fiance has been a massive support in the whole process. Um, you know, whether it be, Hey, this is financially going to be scary. It's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Um, because we're both kind of on the the front of like happiness comes before the finances, right? And and mm-hmm. think it'll all work out long term. So um, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I was surprised that she was there for me, but like it was just like the actuality of that coming to fruition for a situation that I never really needed that level of support before. Tell me about a, a situation you stayed. You stayed in too long. Oh, man. Uh, We need another hour-long podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, I I think that the last situation that I came out of was generally one that I was in too long. Um, the, The company started to go different directions of who their avatar was. It started to become less and less appealing to me. Uh, it started to create resentment and content between, you know, me and the owner of the company. Um, and ultimately, like, I didn't have enough of my ducks in a row to exit strategically, right? Like, I didn't set myself up with the right layers of protection with paperwork. And, you know, if I'm out, then this happens. If if you're out, then that happens. Um, and... I wouldn't change it because I needed to learn that lesson. But when you start to feel that pull of like, this is no longer for me. Like this is, this is becoming too whatever. This is not the, this is not the company I signed up to work with. Um, get out. Like you're go, you're going to be Okay. It is way easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's anybody in that situation, DM me, email <laughs> me. We'll talk through it. Yeah. Because uh, I know what that's like. And it's like, it sucks. You know, it sucks. I, I think I think we've all experienced it. Mm-hmm. If you look back on a, a romantic relationship in your life. Yeah. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everyone's been there. You were at that end stage. You're trying to make it work. It's the same stuff. Yeah. Like it's over. You got to Everybody's got to part ways and move on. Hopefully there's no assets to do. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, man. Uh, you, you kind of answered my next question. Um, what, what is something that you're implementing now to make sure uh, you catch it, you know, next time before it gets worse? Yeah. Two big things that I've been leaning into are trusting my gut, um, not getting sold into a scenario that I think is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, moving for the sake of speed has become a red flag for me, right? Like we're getting our ducks in a row before we move. Like I am not taking an opportunity just because it's good without having the proper protection and um, get everything documented on paper because it doesn't just protect you. It protects the other party. And so this removes the game of like, well, no, no, no. You said that you were going to do this. And it's like, well, no, we both signed off on the scope of work. It distinctly says that my deliverable was X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what you're asking for is above and beyond, which I'm happy to do. We just need to revise the scope, which then we potentially need to revise the offer. Right. So um, there are too many people out there saying yes to every opportunity because it's good short term and ending up getting burned. Sound advice for sure. What um, yeah. what do you have a do you have a, a story or a moment that uh where you realized you messed up and you had to take ownership? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely that that situation that I alluded to prior, where I, I made that leadership decision, like. I, I circled back on that um, a, you know, I think it was a couple months later and just finally said like, hey, I need to apologize. Um, the way that I approached you was, was out of character mm. um, and it blindsided you. Um, and you were just making the best decision that you thought you should have made and I should have let you run with it and debriefed after. Right. Like that was, that was the, I had to give the, this is what I did. This is what I should have done, which was actually in alignment with my character and beliefs. Um, and this is, and I understand it affected our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I had to come to terms with that and you know, it was, it was repaired and then some other shit happened, but that's, a, that was a different mm-hmm. conversation. Um, that was definitely a like personal ownership situation. Um, you know, I, I think in business as well, like you've got to be part data, part feel. Mm -hmm. If you're too much data, you'll lose some of the upside. If you're too much feel, you potentially have no floor. Mm Mm-hmm. What is, uh, what's, what's been your favorite moment or memory in, in the outdoors or on an adventure? I am working to be more adventurous. Mm. I, uh, I, I, I love being in the ocean. Um, I think like being in the ocean as a kid and even like being in the ocean now is something that brings me back to like 
that feeling of like there was nothing else in your life besides what was going on. So that kind mm-hmm. of ends up being like my centering of of like the rhythmic feel, the 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 chill, the mm-hmm. feel, the smell, like all of that. Um and I also really like paddleboarding. Mm-hmm. So um I spend a lot of time outdoors, but like my adventure and outdoor time is is typically uh, exploring new golf courses. So I think it's like what works for you. Yeah. Um, and I've I've played some beautiful places because of that. Yeah, I like I like. I don't that. do the same kind of adventure that you do, Matt. I lo- no, I really <laughs> love that. And and yeah, you're right. And um, you know, I'll get to the last question in a bit. But you know, when I ask it, a lot of people have different answers and different definitions of what adventure is and um what what i've noticed a lot of people um that i've interviewed so far agree on is that it is what you make it and i love the i I coined the term um micro adventures and i love the opportunity to take a micro adventure at any point you know make what you're doing an adventure whether it's uh you know a moment a minute an hour or a month, you know, it, it doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, it's been a big part of my, my life in the last couple of months. You trademarked it by the way. Don't steal it. Um, awesome. Good for you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that, that brings me to the final question before we wrap this up. Um, what is, what is your definition of being fit for adventure? Um, I think fitness is infinitely scalable. So for me, um, it's, it's not necessarily about being able to do whatever you want when you want to do it. I think Mm -hmm. that that comes with a, um, a lack of acknowledgement to the amount of preparation that needs to come into being able to do what you want to do. So, um, to me, I guess that, that, freedom aspect comes from if I want to train a certain way, I have the authority to do so. If I want to train for a certain event, I have the authority to do so. There's too many fitness messages out there about everybody's way that their marketing is the right way. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't care what you do. I just want you to do something that you enjoy. Mm. And I want you to respect what needs to be done to achieve the things that you want to get to. That's it. Mm. Awesome, Ray, man. It was, it was great catching up with you. I really, uh, I love hearing your stories Same, and, um, you know, over the years learning from you, um, being part of some of your programs and your mentorship and, and now seeing what you're developing. It's, it's, it's really cool to see how far you've come in the last couple of years. Um, what's, what's coming up Thank next? You, what are you excited about, man? A couple cool things coming up next. Um, you know, my, my course process has switched to an ongoing process. So anybody interested in working with me, you can now start at any point. Uh, I've got some cool content coming out about my view on programming and, and exercise management. Uh, so I look to drop that here in 
uh, the end of September, beginning of October. Um, and, you know, just doing more stuff like this. I, I Every time I do a podcast, I get the bug to continuously do more. Best way to connect with me is uh, Instagram, uh, Ray Gorman DPT. And my website, should you want to subscribe to my newsletter, opt into one of my trainings, is uh, engagemovement.com. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Dr. Ray Gorman. And if you have been a listener for a while now, you know we've had Ray on in the past, and it was one of our top performing episodes. You guys seem to like a lot of what Ray has to say in the conversation that we got going. And uh, I want to thank you for listening. And if you did hear something that you really liked in this episode, please let us know. You can do that by sending me a DM on Instagram at MattG32 or Summit CEO. You could do that by leaving a review for us on Apple or Spotify, wherever you can leave a review. And you could share it with a friend. This is like the best thing you can do. Send it to somebody. And I am really excited for the episodes that we have coming up. I just got back from a weekend-long retreat event or five-day-long retreat event with uh, some fellow coaches and entrepreneurs. And I got to record a ton. I got to uh, recharge my batteries and, and realign my goals and my vision. And I'm so excited, super excited to take on the next set of challenges. And I find so much value in doing uh, in doing things with other people, in community especially. It's particularly a community surrounded with uh, people of certain values and of certain goals. It really cultivates a powerful experience. And in the last... A uh, few days, I spent, um, or I got to, I got to stay with, uh, yeah, a, a family, for sure, of people who are there to support me and there to help me grow. And so, in in this five days at, at the lake house that I stayed at, with some of my mentors and peers, I got to uh, play and enjoy life. I got to get work done and get immediate feedback and so much um, more energy from what I was doing. And this, this, these are the type of experiences, the type of moments that empower you as a, as a leader, that give you confidence, that also help you gauge where you're at, realign, refocus. And I realized that um, after this few days, I realized a lot of the things that I was doing for my business were... To, to overcompensate or try too hard. And, oh man, this is a, a big wake-up call um, and one that I definitely uh, felt and needed to have. And and now I realize, oh, I can simplify. I can simplify what I do and how I approach my work and be myself, and then I will be able to grow beyond a plateau that I've, that I've been sitting at for the last few months. So I'm super excited for what's next, what's coming up. And this in mind, we are hosting a weekend-long immersion where you can get exactly what I just described. You'll get to be with 
um, fellow entrepreneurs, creatives, and leaders in an environment that is going to be 100% supportive of you and your personal growth and your, your professional development. And it'll be a weekend in, in Vermont where you have an opportunity to explore the landscape, try some skiing if you've never done that before, and learn from each other. And we'll have experts joining us, and I mean some, some like legit experts in the fields of coaching and in the fields of sales and entrepreneurship and oh, conscious awareness we're going to have leaders here and these are the type of people in my experience and in my opinion who elevate us and if you're like me you spend a lot of time in at home working from home uh, by yourself and if you don't have a group of people that you can uh, utilize as a as a mirror and as a uh, a backboard right someone who can help you make the shot then you're missing out on a lot of opportunity and it's probably the reason why you're frustrated because I know that I was. And when I go too long without the experiencing the community and the, the, the energy that that brings, then I start to fall off track. And so I, I, I think, this is my opinion, it's, it's valuable, necessary, required for a business owner to have a support system, a community that they not only get to talk to often, they, they get to see in person and experience. So if you're interested in, in something like that, if you're missing community, if you're missing connection and you want that environment that's going to raise you up to be around people who are walking the walk and and can uh, guide you along the way and also um, help you see yourself for who you really are, then I invite you to join us in Vermont this December. Visit mysummit.academy slash immersion and you'll see all the info you need. This is a one-of-a-kind experience. I'm so excited to, to, to host it and put it on for you alongside my friends, Ben Joy, Walker, Ron White, and many more. And we also have a private chef. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, grab your spot. There's five spots left for this thing. And once we hit once we hit that cap of, of 11, we're, we're done. We're, we can't take anymore. We can't fit anymore. The house is too small. Good problems to have, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I'll talk to you soon. See you guys on the summit.